You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Jacob's Danny. And fans, we have a fire show for you today. Talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, everything included in the Super Bowl, like the halftime show, the pomp and circumstance, the pageantry of the Super Bowl, but also what happened on the field between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. We'll talk about the NBA trade deadline. One trade in particular, the blockbuster trade that we'll get into. And then we have a very intriguing trading card scenario, but first, Danny, the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, in where the LA Rams pulled it off 23 to 20 against the Cincinnati Bengals. Matthew Stafford threw for 283 yards, three touches, and two interceptions. Cooper Cup, man, really went ahead and stepped up. Uh, eight receptions for 92 yards, two touchdowns, and became the Super Bowl MVP. Joe Burrow, man, had a very interesting day uh, with 263 yards, one touchdown, sacked seven times, which ties the NFL's Super Bowl record. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Mixon nearly, I don't think, got enough touches, man. 15 touches for 72 yards um but boy oh boy that offense was still banging Mm -hmm. t higgins going for 100 yards on four receptions two of those receptions were for touchdowns jamar chase had a good game as well five receptions for 89 yards man this was just a great game all the way around um defensive battle and yes i called it fans i called the three-point game I thought it was going to be a little bit more scoring. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why it wasn't as much scoring is because OBJ went down. And OBJ was on track to becoming the MVP of this game, man. He had two receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown before his injury, which turns out to be a torn ACL. Danny, what a great game. Questionable calls. Uh, we'll get into a little bit later here, but man, a good Super Bowl all the way around. What say you? Yeah, Jay, this one uh, was trending Rams heavily in that first half. Yes. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, the Bengals are in trouble, but then the Bengals calmed down. Their run defense mm-hmm. was playing lights out. They played lights out the whole game. Cincinnati was trying to double Cooper Cup. OBJ was exploiting that matchup. And then he went down with the injury. And then Cincinnati went on a little run. And then in the third quarter, I thought this was key. It was a play where Aaron Donald (laughs) pushed Joe Burrow out of bounds. (laughs) That was key. (laughs) And the offensive line from Cincinnati came up and they defended their man, right? But then after that, that's when the Rams defensive line just went crazy. Bananas. but the one thing was Cincinnati didn't score. They had 20 points and didn't score in the fourth quarter, but 
you hinted at it, Joe Mixon. So they're running the ball pretty well this whole mm-hmm. game. And I didn't understand. There was a mm-hmm. moment in time where they kept putting Joe, Joe Burrow in the pot or, you know, in shotgun or whatever the case may be, where they could have ran some draws with Joe Mixon. And this, re- this reminded yeah. me of a certain team I'm very fond of when they were in the Super Bowl, <laughs> where they started feeling themselves a little too much, where they could have ran the ball more, killed some clock, because the Rams were on their last leg, no pun intended. And Cincinnati had them where they wanted them. Mm-hmm. And Cincinnati, I thought, blew a, a few opportunities there, and they, I thought they had the Super Bowl in their back pocket, and they just couldn't execute at the end. Yeah, yeah, Danny, I, I think I agree with you on that. I don't think they nearly gave the ball enough to Joe Mixon mm-hmm. to really mix it up. I mean, can, can I get a screen pass? I love screen passes because it, it allows for the defense to, to be aggressive. They go upfield, mm-hmm. and the O-line allows them to go upfield. I mean, if your O-line is struggling, what better way for them to relieve a little pressure there than a screen pass or two, just to keep them honest? Yep. And that can really kind of be a form of a, a running play itself. I think that was an opportunity there that was definitely missed. And I was actually expecting to see more screen passes to even get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit there. So opportunity missed uh, and everything, but I think the game really changed when OBJ actually got hit, got hurt. Um, when mm-hmm. he went down, the LA Rams really didn't know where to turn initially i mean granted yes cooper cup was there but there were s- several drop passes yep. uh some receivers just weren't ready for that spotlight for that shine man and and mm-hmm. so um that last drive that that one you know wanted for the la rams it was really force feeding the ball to cooper cup yep. cooper we coming at you everybody know you're gonna get the ball but we're gonna still come at you and and lo and behold they went in and scored a touchdown uh, but there was some controversy around that, too. Uh, when the Rams were driving in the red zone, uh, threw the ball to Cooper Cup, and next thing you know, I forgot who number 55 is on the Bengals, but Wilson. nonetheless, Wilson, thank you. And they called a pass interference on them. And that call, I think, is very questionable. Uh, I, I know in our uh text chain there with the fellas uh i asked a question i was like which, which call you know you're referring to yep. and it was you know you know, pointed directly to that call and i was like well did he turn him did you know uh and the way that this game was officiated first of all we had to go into the first half uh i'm sorry the second half the second half t higgins um got Jalen Ramsey's face mask, turned it, and Jalen fell, and lo and behold, T goes in for a for a touchdown. How can you miss that call? Not a whole lot of penalties, but man, the penalties that were called, the LA Rams went ahead and did it. They are the NFL champions for this year. And uh kudos to Aaron Donald mm-hmm. uh making 
the last two stops um, to really seal the game for them. How fitting is that? And Cooper Cup becomes the MVP. Danny, based upon this, with the LA Rams winning, I mean, there's been a whole lot of talk about, um, you know, whether or not Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer. Is he a Hall of Famer now that he has uh, this ring? Mm-hmm. And I have to say, Danny, you know, one of the things I guess I look at a Hall of Famer, I mean, did they lead the league in certain categories mm-hmm. or were, were they the quarterback? Were they the player in their position for a period of time? Mm-hmm. And with Matthew Stafford being in the Detroit Lions uh, for a number of years for basically all of his career with the exception of this first year. I can't say Matthew Stafford has been, you know, the guy he's been effective. Mm-hmm. Obviously at the game plan for him, but was he the guy? I mean, he does have one pro bowl 2011 AP comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. He now has the ring. That's it. No all pros. Matthew Stafford has, you know, some, some great numbers with regards through to 323 touchdowns to 161 interceptions. Yeah. That's nothing to, you know, really, you know, sneeze. I mean, sneeze at. I mean, that's something, you know, great, but man, I just don't consider Matthew Stafford to be in the hall, like the same hall as Joe Montana, the same hall as Peyton Manning, the same hall as, Roger Staubach, the same hall as who else, Danny? We know Tom Brady going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, his his coats are sized. Come on, man. The same hall as Aaron Rodgers. We know Aaron Rodgers is going in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has multiple MVPs. Mm-hmm. He has a Super Bowl MVP. Matthew Stafford doesn't even have a Super Bowl MVP. How about that? Yep. So I don't know, Danny, I don't, I think we need to pump our brakes a little bit on Matthew Stafford being a hall of famer. What say you? So Jason, hearing this talk, uh, first off, I'm like, man, we're jumping the gun a little bit here. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I just don't see it. And we, we've seen Matthew Stafford because he was in Detroit. So mm-hmm. Midwest guy, we got to see a lot of him, a lot of his games more than, uh, from a national perspective, just due to him being in the uh, NFC North. Now we look at another guy. His name is Matt Ryan. Here we go, man. <laughs> now, but, but, but it, I'm, I'm going to pose this to you. I'm going to pose this to you. Matt mm-hmm. Ryan has 10,000 more yards, mm-hmm. approximately 40 more touchdowns. Is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? I would have to say yes, because when he's a Super Bowl, I'm assuming he's a uh, NFL League MVP. Mm-hmm. He at least has that on his resume. Yep. And I see Matt Ryan being ahead of Matt, Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. So if Matt Ryan's ahead of him. I just don't see how Matt Stafford can be considered a Hall of Famer at this point in time. Now, mm-hmm. if he goes on a string, a run here, picks up a couple more Super Bowls, 
then you got to actually, you have obviously have to have to have the conversation about him being a hall of famer. But at this point in time, Mm-mm. he he's right now, he has one super bowl. Joe Flacco has a super bowl. Trent Dilfer has a super bowl. Yep. They're not hall of famers. So there has to be some consistency there from Matt Stafford in order for me to say, oh, all right, he's a, he's a hall of famer. I just, can't put him in that elite category at this point in time. All right, Danny. And there's a couple other things we got to talk about here. So um, I saw something uh, in Detroit. And yes, since Matthew Stafford has gone to the Super Bowl, he definitely has fans, whether it's in uh, Georgia because he went to the University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately with Detroit and where he – uh, obviously played with the Detroit Lions for a number of years, but what is blasphemy is for another team to take on another team's name. Cool. Man, Danny, I saw something that says the Detroit Rams. T-shirts, everything. Detroit Rams, meaning Detroit was rooting for Matthew Stafford to win and we're going to take on the name of the Rams because we're all in this together rooting for Matthew Stafford, man. I have the Detroit Rams. That says a lot about the Detroit lions organization. That really says a whole lot. I don't think the Detroit lions have been in the playoffs since man, I, or they had a, they haven't had a playoff win. Yes. Since probably <laughs> like the nineties. Come on, man. Detroit Lions, you all should be ashamed of yourselves. Fans of Detroit Lions, you all should be ashamed of yourselves. And if you purchased a Detroit Rams <laughs> T-shirt, man, your allegiance to a team is something to be questioned. And then, Danny, with Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. There were rumors that, you know, he would really consider retirement if he goes out on top. Uh, I'm pretty certain we'll hear that here uh, shortly from him. But, man, what an absolutely great career if he decides to uh, retire. Um, I believe that he should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl, man. Uh, it took him a while. It took that shove of Joe Burrow out of bounds in mm-hmm. that fight to happen to really awaken, you know, to really awaken Aaron Donald. But I believe he should have been the MVP. The disruption that he had on that O line, the man, the tackle mm-hmm. for a loss, so that way they, the running back wouldn't get a first down. And then to ultimately close out the game, I mean, I think Aaron Downs should have been MVP. We'll say you. Yeah, he, yeah, he was slow. He had a slow start, and the offensive line of Cincinnati was. We talked. I just said earlier, man, they held up. Mm-hmm. And then after that incident, man, they just broke down. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't believe how. It was just a tale of two halves with the, the offensive line and that defensive line. You know, Von Miller made some plays as well in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Malcolm Floyd, they were 
doing their thing. So Aaron Donald's dominance, I think, will always be underestimated uh, for whatever reason. He's a great player, and Mm -hmm. I think he deserves more than what he receives, honestly, because a man, how big he is, Mm-hmm. And he's constantly going his double. And sometimes I've seen triple on him, three guys, because mm-hmm. they'll hold a tight end or a running back on him too. So for him to get in and do what he did in that second half, turn that game around, because Cincinnati had all the momentum and pretty much put that defense on his shoulders to make plays. I agree, man. It was tough because Cooper Cup did do his thing in that last run to get that touchdown. But Aaron Donald, for what he did, um, and how he dominated that second half should have definitely been under high consideration for the MVP. Agreed there. Agreed there. There may be some negotiation tactics going on here too, behind the scenes. Mm. With Aaron Donald. And his contract. His contract. I don't know how they pull this off because the Rams are in some financial troubles as far as the cap. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they're going to pull this off, but it may be that too, where he's like, Hey man, I did this. Uh, I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. I need to be paid. So it could be some negotiation tactics going on from Aaron Donald's camp to put it, you know, put it on the Rams to say, Hey man, I should be taken care of. So I'm curious to see how this off season goes. And like you said, if he does retire, that's a bad boy, man. So yeah, wish him all the best. Yeah. And Danny, just as we talk about the NFL, the Super Bowl, what happened on the field, what also happened on the field happened during halftime where this big halftime show happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Dr. Dre, you had Snoop, you had Mary J, you had Eminem, you had a surprise by 50. Anderson Pack went ahead and played the drums. I mean, you had Kendrick Lamar. I mean, what an awesome show. And hip-hop was represented. There was like, what, at least about close to 30 years, 30-plus mm-hmm. years worth of hip-hop artists. So you, the early 90s, you, had, of course, had Dr. Dre and Snoop, Mary J. Uh, going a little bit later into the 90s, you had the likes of Eminem. Early 2000s, you had um uh 50 uh on, on the horizons there and then leading up to today i mean you have kendrick lamar anderson pack i mean the list goes on and on man and this what a interesting show i liked it mm-hmm. i have to rank this uh halftime show of the super bowl up there it's not going to go past my number one which is prince mm-hmm. and my beloved florida AM university marching 100 performing with Prince mm-hmm. it's not going above that but I tell you this is going to be definitely in my top five uh list of best uh halftime shows man just a lot of great great moments in the show uh and everything uh what say you Danny yeah Jay this one was it had me going the whole time man now I follow all these uh artists and some of the song selections, I like with Kendrick, I wish you did Humble, but mm-hmm. that was just me personally, man, because that song gets me gets me going. But uh, that being said, it was an awesome show. It went from 
beginning to end. It had you going the whole time. You knew all the songs. Um, that's our era. Mm-hmm. So, and how how else would you represent LA? Come on, California. Man. Come on. Then the the talent they had up there. I was like, man, I wish we had another 30 or 40 minutes <laughs> so they could actually do some more songs, you know, yeah, some of those yeah. B-sides and mm-hmm. everything like that. So, mm-hmm. no, man, 50 Cent, I didn't know he was going to be there. So when he came in there, that was a, a nice surprise uh, mm-hmm. for me. And then, yeah, the performances were awesome. Everyone, everyone looks good. You know, they're still, everyone's aging well. Mm-hmm. And so I was very excited and I'm hoping that, you know, with Jay-Z's influence, they have more of this going down the, down the line. So I know they're in Glendale next year. So I'm curious who they pick, mm-hmm. but that amount of talent on a stage at one point in time was crazy. So yeah, definitely top three for me. Yeah. It's cl- I could call it my number one, but I, I like the Prince. And Mike, back in the day, mm-hmm. from our younger years, mm-hmm. he turned it out too. So uh, definitely a great show. And I would have to say this too, Danny. I think one of the things that I really noticed uh, within this uh, show, um, and one thing that I wish they would have done, I w- really would have liked to know what it would have been like to be inside the stadium mm-hmm. to see if – fans on one side of the stadium were, were actually able to see live the performance granted yes they had the the big monitor uh, the scoreboard and everything so that way probably different camera angles at that point in time but i wonder if it's because it, the performance was really on one side of mm-hmm. the stadium facing one side of the sta- stadium so I'm yeah. wondering how fans really liked it on the other side. My understanding is you could have downloaded the um, was it the Super Bowl Pepsi app, uh, yeah. something like that, and being able to see the different camera angles. But if you're there, you're not going to do that, man. No, you try to soak that in, man. Try to soak it in. You try to be trying to see what was popping off, man. So um, th- that's the only thing. But man, it was uh, really interesting. Um, I would say the set design was interesting too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in looking when you download the app, you can actually look at who's who created the set uh, itself, the set designers, and all the trap doors that were in there, where there were people in those trap doors, so that way they can quickly get in and quickly uh, get out um, was ingenious. Uh, when you have that many artists to move around and you know I mean, you only have like 12 minutes for a halftime show i think yep. they may have went over just a little bit um but <laughs> nonetheless man great halftime show yep and one other thing they did shout out tupac mm-hmm. i i ain't mad at you mm-hmm. on the piano and, and you know these days with the metaverse and everything going on i was like oh man you know they had that tupac hologram back in the day mm-hmm. i was like man wouldn't that have been something to pull him pull yep. that hologram out Mm-hmm. and have him go out there you know perform but yeah it was a great show and danny there was an interesting nba trade that happened a blockbuster trade uh there were a whole lot of trades that actually happened but one in particular where uh finally the philadelphia 76ers and the brooklyn nets made this trade and where the brooklyn nets traded james harden to the 76ers 
uh, in return for Ben Simmons. So the full trade, the Brooklyn Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, mm-hmm. Andre Drummond, 2022 first round pick and a 2027 first round pick and the 76ers received James Harden and Paul Millsap Danny when this trade first happened I was like finally got tired of all the talk mm-hmm. I really did and I was like finally this has happened my next thought was who really got over on this trade and my media thought was, man, Brooklyn really <laughs> won this trade, man. Mm-hmm. Not only did they get Ben Simmons, and you know, Danny, I'm not necessarily a huge Ben Simmons fan when it comes to him on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, can't shoot. I just have an issue with that. But, um, but in return, they did get Seth Curry to help with the shooting. Yep. Not only that, they also received Andre Drummond, who the Brooklyn Nets didn't have any down low presence. And so the Brooklyn Nets, they have LaMarcus Aldridge and Claxton, but I don't think Claxton necessarily is ready to handle the likes of a um, Giannis. Just interesting, the fact that they also got Andre Drummond, who is a rebounding machine. Mm-hmm. I really believe that Brooklyn got over here. James Harden is a nice piece for Philly, but man, you're losing a backup center. You're losing rebounding. You're losing consistent shooting, another body yep. in Seth Curry. And you can say Ben Simmons is kind of, you know, a wash because he hasn't played the whole year. But James Harden is, I believe he's going to be under some pressure here, him and uh, Embiid. Uh, and for that matter, even uh, Doc Rivers, the coach. Yeah. I don't know, Danny. I think Brooklyn Nets got a lot better, and they got some draft picks as well. First round picks. Mm-hmm. And granted, they could be late in the round, twenty five on up. But man, Brooklyn Nets got over on here, in my opinion. What say you? Yeah, Jason. I think the key thing I saw with this was depth. Philadelphia lost some depth and they lost shooting big time Seth Curry and what's hindered them in the playoffs (laughs) every Mm -hmm. year is Mm -hmm. three point shooting Mm -hmm. when they need a key bucket from the outside. That's where they struggle. And that's Seth Curry, Seth Curry's game. Mm -hmm. You do get Harden, and their starting lineup is going to be tough, but Harden too, come to find out he has a hamstring issue again. So he won't be playing now until then, at least after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, granted, him and Embiid, and I'm curious about that dynamic too, because you know him and Embiid back in the day <laughs> would stand each other. Right. So that was just all in all wild, because if you remember, I brought this up a couple weeks ago, and we kind of went back and forth, and and they actually pulled it off. So... Doc Rivers is definitely on the hot seat. There's some rumors about D'Antoni. I'm like, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on now. But Embiid's been playing out of his mind this season. He's up there for MVP. And -hmm. if he can stay consistent like that and you bring in Harden, you got a superstar that can shoot and bring it. And they have defense as well around them. So Thibault, 
and Tobias Harris is decent. So they do have a formidable lineup. It's just their bench and that depth. Exactly. On the Brooklyn side of it, I like, I'm like, okay, you bring in Ben Simmons, that helps you defensively. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to rely on, like Philly had to rely on Ben Simmons to score. Brooklyn necessarily does not. And he can, that's another body to throw at Giannis. Not to say that Ben Simmons can check Giannis, but he's a bigger body. He ain't going to be able to check Giannis. But he can, but he's a body that can go at him. Yep. Agreed. And he's athletic and he can do some things and he can put Giannis on the defensive as well, pushing Mm -hmm. the ball and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you get that Seth Curry piece, I I thought that was very sneaky of Brooklyn to sneak that in. Yeah. Curry. That that's a shooter. The only thing now is what's that locker room going to be like? So they had all this dissension allegedly with Harden there. Now what's up with Kyrie? Because if Kyrie is still going to be doing this uh, where, you know, where he's not playing some of these games, I don't, I don't know how far they even go to be truth be told. I think just the inconsistency of not having him there, but at least picking up Seth Curry gives them an option. I don't know if Joe Harris is coming back from injury. I have to check that out. But they do get some depth now that they needed, and they got those draft picks. So they do have some draft capital uh, in case in the offseason they need to make a move they can send that somewhere else. So in my opinion, from a depth perspective, Brooklyn won this trade. I think from an uh, immediate impact is going to be from the Harden side. And him and Embiid because Embiid hasn't had a player like hard and play with him to date. So I'm very curious how that dynamic works. And if it can work well, they have a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I can see a whole lot of pick and roll action happening, mm-hmm. even pick, uh, pick and pop yeah. uh, between even the two. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see. And I think that's what I was really hoping in a sense for Ben Simmons to kind of be in the pick and roll action. Uh, I mean, if you can just do it a five to 10 footer, I mean, yep. you can, you can run a pick and roll um, and everything, man. So I, it's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't buy it though. I'm just going to be real with you, Danny, mm-hmm. with Philly. I don't think um, they're going to go far in the playoffs. I really don't. When I look at what Cleveland has, I think they're going to have problems with Cleveland if they match up. Yep, I think yep. they'll have problems with uh, Brooklyn if they match up in the playoffs. They're definitely going to have problems with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks um, if they match up. So um, I just don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes, man. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yes. It will also, it'll definitely be something interesting because now the East, there's like, you know, the shifts and then the Bucks made their trade with Serge Ibaka. But it's, these teams are stacked, these top six to seven. So those are going to be some great matchups if everyone stays healthy. And that's another thing, Danny. Another big trade was obviously uh, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, trading away um, Dante DiVincenzo. You know my affinity towards him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything, but it was this time when we with um, we don't know the status of Brook Lopez. Seems like he is going to be coming back uh, before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, 
we still needed a big body. Uh, and Serge Ibaka is that big body, uh, former NBA champion. Um, and I can't say a former, he is an NBA champion, uh, a big body. If he can just give us 10 to 15 minutes, Brooke comes back, gives us 10 to 15 minutes. I think we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo going to the Sacramento Kings. Listen, man, I think Sacramento is building something out there. But we say that every time Sacramento makes it a trade. <laughs> we say that every time, man. Every time, man, Sacramento ends up not being in the playoffs. Yep. I think this is going to be the same case. <laughs> they, um, so it's going to be real interesting to see how this uh, changes out. And Milwaukee is not done. They're not done because we have two roster spots still available. Uh, there are talks about Embry uh, signing with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and we still have two more roster spots open. So um, we're still in the talks for Goran Dragic. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, Hill is still having some issues here. Uh, I think we are definitely missing that depth there. So there may be, may be some opportunities for us to, you know, grab another player or two. Nonetheless, man, I think Milwaukee's in a good position. And now, Danny, we have an interesting trading card scenario. Who we got? So, Jason, in light of Aaron Donald winning his first Super Bowl, our trading card scenario is Aaron Donald's 2014 Topps rookie card for Reggie White's 1986 Topps rookie card. A couple quick bios. Aaron Donald was the 13th overall pick out of the University of Pittsburgh by the St. Louis Rams. Uh, seven-time All-Pro, Defensive Rookie of the Year, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, one Super Bowl, 98 sacks, 23 forced fumbles, and is currently played eight seasons. Reggie White was selected by the Memphis Showboats in the uh, USFL back in 1984 and ended up, once USFL went under, Philadelphia Eagles signed Reggie White. He is an eight-time All-Pro, Two-time defensive player of the year, one Super Bowl, Hall of Famer, 198 sacks and 33 forced fumbles, and he played 15 seasons. So, Jason, who do you want in your portfolio? Danny, this was a tough one. It still is a tough one because I haven't made a decision yet, so I'm going to talk this through. The fans know where I'm going with this. But you know what? I, I didn't even watch neither one of them in, in college, man, so I came and go there. But what I, <laughs> what I did do, though, man, what I did do is I really thought about Reggie White. Mm-hmm. And Reggie White broke so many barriers here, man. And it was this interesting really watching Reggie White's career. Reggie White came in uh, into the uh, NFL in 1985. And so one of the things that I, I did, Danny, I looked up the all defensive or the AP uh, defensive player of the years, all, you know, the list of all time here. Right. Mm -hmm. In 85, Mike Singletary won the defensive player of the year. And I was going to go down the line here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Again, Mike, Mike Singletary, 85, LT Lawrence Taylor, 86, Reggie White, 87, Mike Singletary, 88, Keith Miller, 
Bruce Smith, Pat Swilling, Cortez Kennedy, Rod Woodson, Deion Sanders, Bryce Pop, Bruce Smith, Dana Stubblefield, Reggie White, again in 98. I'm going to go a little bit further here. Aaron Donald came into the league, like you said, uh, and he started in 2014. So from 2014, you had the likes of J.J. Watt in 14, 15, J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Stephon Gilmore, Aaron Donald. Here's my point in saying this, man. I was looking at the competition. Reggie White had some competition, man, on that defensive side of the ball, man. Mm -hmm. And not only that, Reggie White won in 98. That was basically his second to the last year of his career. His last season with the Green Bay Packers, and I'll get into that later on too. His last season with the Green Bay Packers, he had 16 sacks. Then he retired for a whole season. Then he came back and played with the Carolina Panthers. But basically his last season, second to last season in his career, man, he got defensive player of the year. That says a whole lot. What also says a whole lot is a franchise player coming to Green Bay during free agency and lifting an entire organization up. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who really started the trend of free agents coming to Green Bay. That says a whole lot. Yeah. What's Reggie White's nickname in the NFL, Danny? Minister of Defense. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. The Minister of Defense. I don't know what Aaron Donald's nickname is, but the Minister of Defense is something else, man. I don't know if I can go against the, a Minister of Defense. <laughs> that's that's pretty tough sledding. That's, that's pretty hard. That's pretty rough right there, Danny. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, man, seeing Aaron Donald and seeing his dominance um, over the years um, in Dahl uh, has been really impressive. I mean, him just uh bulldozing over uh linemen to get to the quarterback uh has been impressive the other impressive thing though on reggie white's side and fans i really want you all to go out to youtube and look at some reggie white clips reggie white would just throw human beings we talking about 300 and some about 300 400 pound human beings with one arm mm -hmm. he would just throw them out the way one arm. I've seen that live in a living color when he was with the Green Bay Packers. Having said that, Danny, listen, man. Rest in peace to Reggie White. Mm -hmm. And I can't go against the nickname Minister of Defense. I have got to have that in my portfolio. What say you? Jason, <laughs> this was tough. I think of Reggie White and like you said, how big he was, how strong he was. Like if you watch and if you watch those clips, look how big his, his biceps are. Right. That dude was massive. massive. <laughs> and then you th I think of Aaron Donald and for his stature, for what he 
the impact he has on the game. And I look at the talent Reggie White had around him too, right? Mm-hmm. Even though Reggie, all-time great. Aaron Donald hasn't had that same support, and he was still able to do what he's done. And people know that's the person you have to focus on. Mm-hmm. And he still is doing what he is doing from an impact perspective, getting the sacks. Like I said, he's getting doubles, and then they're bringing a the dude to chip him too. And he's still getting in there and taking care of business and becoming the defensive player of the year. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Aaron Donald's card in this case. I think that if he retires, the value is this is high as it's going to be. So I think from a car perspective, Aaron Donald's card would be the one I want. But from a play, I always say this in these scenarios. I got, I always got to make sure I qualify this. Reggie White, I felt, was a better defensive player. All in all, obviously, Aaron Donald's only played half the seasons that Reggie played, so there's more to come if he continues his his journey. But Reggie White was so menacing on the defensive side of the ball, like you said, <laughs> he was taking grown men and throwing and ragdolling them. But from a car perspective, I'm going to take Aaron Donald's rookie car. Danny, I just have to say this. For Reggie White to win the Defensive Player of the Year in 87 mm-hmm. and to win it again in 98, that's 10, 11 seasons. Mm-hmm. In between Defensive Player of the Years, that's that to me is wicked. Yes. That to me is wicked, man. And I can't argue anything you're saying. I don't, I just don't know if an Aaron Donald would be able to do something like that. Yeah. It's I, hard to I, say, you know, uh, can his body hold up? That's another thing. Can his body hold up for another five years? to even halfway reach what Reggie White did in terms of winning defensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. I don't think so, man. That's why I have to have the minister of defense in my portfolio. And that name right there, man, I like the (laughs) nicknames in my portfolio, man, minister of defense. You can tell a story about that, man. Yes, you can. You can tell a story. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.